So we're going to read one verse of scripture. We're going to pray and get right into the message today. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 36. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. Here's what the word says. Paul said, for you have need of endurance. 10 and 36. They've got the wrong verse in there. I apologize, Lauren. For you have need, it's not going to be on the screen, of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Let me say it again. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. I want to preach to you today. Don't give up now. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven. Pray with me and for me. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you for your awesomeness in this house today. God, I pray that your word would encourage, strengthen, and lift up somebody today. Fill them with hope today. God, let us see the truth of your word today and change us by and through it today through the power of your word and your anointing in this place. We'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap of praise as you're being seated. You need to persevere. Paul said, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is, what is promised. What you need to do is persevere. Say persevere. I think that is such a powerful verse because God can make you a promise that you can never possess if you never learn how to persevere. That is true in relationships. That's true in churches. That's certainly true in our spiritual growth. And that's true in business for anybody that's a business owner this morning. So I want to speak to somebody today who knows in your heart that you have stopped short or you may be stopping short of something that God has put inside of you, something that he has spoken to you, something that may have faded, but it's still just sitting there in your heart. And I want to use an Old Testament passage of Scripture to illustrate the verse that we just read. I want to speak to you from, think about this, the sixth book of the Bible, the book of Joshua. I want to speak to you from the sixth chapter of the sixth book of the Bible, and I want to read to you the first six verses. Uh, Joshua chapter 6 is an interesting chapter because it describes how God's people had to conquer a land that had been given to them, a land that was theirs, but they were not yet living there. I think a lot of Christian life is like that because the scripture says that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So whatever is in Christ is supposed to be working in my life. The peace of Christ, the joy of the Lord, the strength of God is supposed to be working in my life. Somebody say amen. Now my biggest cheerleaders, Dwight and Darla, are on vacation today. So I'm going to need some of y'all to step up to the plate and help me out this morning. Uh, but just because God has promised it doesn't mean that I possess it yet. Now, in Joshua chapter 6, we get to see God's people as they're about to take possession. I want you to follow along with me in Joshua chapter 6, the NIV version. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. 
have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, now, on the seventh day, that's going to come back to you in just a moment, so just hold it. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priest blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse. The army will go up, everyone straight in. He's saying to Joshua, you're finally going to get what God started promising to Abraham and then to Isaac and then to Jacob. You're finally going to get what Moses never got to enter because he didn't get to go into the promised land. He only led the people of Egypt. Joshua, you're finally going in, but first you've got to march for six days. I think in this passage, there are three reasons that you, and you might, if you're taking notes, you might want to write them down this morning. And uh, maybe if I say something good while you're writing, you can write and shout amen at the same time. Amen. Somebody multitask. But there are three reasons in this text, and uh, at least three reasons, really. There are at least three reasons in this text. But if there are three that we want to look at today, I want to highlight some reasons that people stop short. I believe that it starts with this. First of all, I've noticed that so many people never receive what God has promised because they don't persevere. The first reason is because our perspective gets blocked. Isn't that true? Our perspective sometimes gets blocked. How many knows two people can look at a situation and see it entirely different based on their perspective? I was studying a little bit about Jericho. And I want to know how many of you, uh, by show of hands, don't be embarrassed if you're not. We've always got people that are, that are newcomers to church, and that's the best kind of people to have. Not that those of you that have been in church all your life are not worth anything, but amen. But I was studying a bit about Jericho, so how many of you, by the showing of your hands, have ever heard the story of Joshua and the battle of Jericho? Let me see your hands. Maybe Bible school or Sunday school. There was even a little song, right, that we used to sing. If you know it, I want you to sing it along with me. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. How many used to sing that in Sunday school or Bible school? I, um, so this morning, that's what he did. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. But I want to tell you that I believe if Joshua heard that song, he wouldn't like it as much as we did. Because it's too simplified to say that Joshua fought the battle of Jericho and the walls came tumbling down. Why? Because Jericho was the first city in the promised land that God's people had to take before they could have everything that God wanted them to have as an inheritance. It was the first. Everybody say first. Often, how many knows the first battle is the hardest? After you get saved, the first battle is the hardest. After you get married, the first battle is the hardest. Are y'all glad to have our newlyweds back this morning? How many knows that sometimes getting started is the hardest part? How many knows what I'm talking about? If I can just, it's kind of like going to the gym. If I can just get out of bed. I can make it through the workout. 
But sometimes getting started is the hardest part. And yet as I was studying about Jericho and you sing the song and it's like he fought the battle and the walls came tumbling down. But what it doesn't tell you in the song is that Joshua spent, think about this, 45 years in the wilderness wandering because the generation before him didn't have enough faith to go into the city. I'm going to preach this morning. He'd waited 45 years to even get the opportunity to go into Jericho. So Joshua's watching us with our hand motions and saying he fought the battle and the walls came tumbling down. But he's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. No hand motions this morning. This is not as simple as you make it sound. Because sometimes when we see somebody else's victory, we oversimplify their process. How many knows what I'm talking about? And we assume that it was just easy for them. Oh, he just fought the battle and those walls just came tumbling down. Actually, it went the other way around because Jericho was not even a very big city. I'm going to teach you a little geography of the Bible here this morning. It was actually such a small city that you could march around in about one hour. In one hour, you could march around the entire city. And it wasn't that Jericho was so big that it made it a challenging city for them to conquer. It was that Jericho's walls were so high. Now, I'm going to preach on that for a minute. Because some of the stuff that's happening, or that's not happening in your life rather, some of the stuff that God has promised you that you have not received yet, some of the stuff that you are intimidated by it's not that it's really bigger than you because God is inside of you and he's bigger than anything you could ever face it's just that your perspective gets blocked by how high the walls are sometimes Whoo! I feel the Lord this morning that's why you're wise to come to church you did a good job by getting here this morning this week because one of the greatest things about coming to church is this it lifts your perspective to see beyond the walls of your problems. It lifts your perspective to see beyond the obstacles and the opposition. So as long as all you're looking at in your life is walls, as long as that's what most of us spend six days a week doing, looking at the walls, looking at the setbacks, I'm preaching to myself, looking at the deficits, looking at the trouble, looking at our past, looking at walls and looking at problems. But when you come to church and you get around other people, and you start praising God with other people when you praise God with each other it reminds you, it reminds me I'm not in this alone I'm not in this by myself I'm not on my own in this I've got other people that are pursuing God with me and there's something about praising God there's something about making an effort to get into God's presence that will elevate your perspective so that you can see over the top of those walls. When you see past your problems, you can see the enemy that you were intimidated of was actually intimidated by you all along. Is anybody going to help me preach this morning? You just got to look over top of the wall sometimes. Because it says in one verse, it says the gates of Jericho were, in verse 1, the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. But then in verse 2, the Lord says to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. Now those two verses don't go together. 
I'm going to show you why. My problem with verse 2 is verse 1. Because God tells Joshua, he says, see, I've given you Jericho. Now, first of all, only God can speak in past tense about a battle that you haven't even fought yet. That's how big God is. That's how confident God is in his own ability. He said, we haven't even started the first round, but I've given it to you. Because I live, God says, I live outside of time. And I'm not stressed about what you're stressed about. The Lord said that to me this week. I've got this thing worked out. And if you'll get on with the plan, you can have the victory because my purpose will always prevail. Anytime you want to see over the walls. But watch. I'm telling you verse 1 looks nothing like verse 2. See in verse 2 he says, see I've given Jericho into your hands. The verse 1 says the gates of Jericho were securely barred. So God says, see, you've got this. And Joshua does like we do. He says, no, all I see is walls. And not only walls, I see locked up walls. They're barred. Ain't nobody getting in, ain't nobody going out. Have you ever felt like what you see in your life doesn't match up with what God has spoken in your heart? Or is that just me? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you about victory, but yet you felt so defeated? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you about healing, but you felt broken inside? Have you ever felt like God was speaking to you to tell somebody about Christ, but inside you had your own doubts about the how to even share the gospel? How many knows what I'm talking about? Have you ever felt like God, what God said didn't match up with what you see? Have you ever had God instructing you in your heart to give something away? Meanwhile, you had needs yourself. Anybody ever been there? Have you ever heard God telling you that you need to start tithing? Whoa, going to get quiet there. And put me first while meanwhile you're struggling to make ends meet. You ever been there? I'm just asking, have you ever had a season in your life where your revelation, we talked about revelation Wednesday night, didn't match up with your reality? That's the situation for Joshua, and his perspective is blocked. And that's why God sends you preachers. And that's why God gave you his word. And that's why God gives you pastors and youth pastors and people in your connect groups and people you can serve with so that somebody can help you elevate yourself and look beyond the walls and get the perspective of taking hold of what God has already promised you. See, if we could just see over top of the wall, we could get a glimpse of, of what God's already promised. We could get a glimpse that it doesn't matter what the wall looks like, doesn't matter how high it is, doesn't matter how bad it looks God said this and because God said it hallelujah your perspective isn't blocked anymore that's number one secondly I think a lot of us stop short because our progress isn't always obvious okay so God speaks to Joshua and he says march around the walls for six days on the seventh day march seven times it's going to be awesome the walls are going to come down. So Joshua calls the people together for six. And I want you to follow me here. I'm going to show you something that's cool. You know, the Bible is amazing, by the way. Do you read the Bible? Hello? Does anybody read the Bible? Somebody says, no, the Bible's boring. No, you're boring. You need to read the Bible. The Bible is amazing. If you can't understand the King James Version, get you an ESV, a CSB, an NLT, or an NIV. Say amen, somebody. 
The Bible is amazing. You need to read it. But I want to show you something really cool this morning. Joshua, and I, I felt like saying that. You don't need to just hear it when you come to church on Sunday. You need to read it through the week. Joshua summoned the priests and said to them to take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the army to advance, to march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. Then get this in, he, they get this instruction to start marching. And so Joshua, after he told the people, verse 8 says, The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. So they're making progress, right? They're making progress. Everybody say making progress. Doesn't it feel good to make progress? Don't you just love progress on your job, on your business, in your personal life, just to see things going the right direction? Anybody like making up your bed in the morning? Yeah, this is going to be a mixed. I see, I see Debbie Fields giving it the good Pentecostal praise. Well, Angie, I, you know what? I don't get excited about making the bed up in the morning. Angie loves to make the bed up in the morning. I, you know where she gets that from? She gets that from her mamma. I took Thelma Willis, for those that don't know her, she was a... She was an awesome woman, but she was a little spitfire. And I took her on uh, her first beach vacation to Fort Walton, Florida. And we had a three-bedroom condo, and she made me make my bed, and I paid for the condo every morning. And I finally got mad about middle of the week, and I said, Mama, I paid for this condo, and if I don't want to make my bed, I won't. She said, make your bed. I'll give you one guess what I did. Angie loves making the bed I loathe making the bed so when she says are you going to get up or are you going to make the bed I say I'm up babe have at it but she likes that because it just makes you feel like you're, you're getting ahead that's the first thing she does when she gets up in the morning is makes the bed progress this is something I like progress I'm not so concerned about the bed but I always need things to be progressing and I get very frustrated internally if I can't see progress. So they're making progress. The armed guard, verse 9, says marched around the priest. And he don't have this on the, on the screen. You can turn to it if you want to, but just listen. The armed guard marched around the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. You see, all of this time the trumpets were sounding, but Joshua had commanded the army not to give a war cry. Listen to me. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once, and then the army returned to camp and they spent the night there. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward marching before the ark of the Lord and blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day they marched around the city once and returned to camp. They did this for six days. I want to get all up in this story right now. I want you to feel what these men must have felt while they thought they were about to charge into a city and wage war, but all they ended up doing for six days was taking a walk. Let me tell you, if I were God, and isn't that the scariest thing you've ever considered? And aren't you glad that I'm not? But if I were God, and if I were orchestrating this miracle, if I were writing Joshua chapter 6 and I had this group of fighting men and I wanted them to march around the walls six times and then on the seventh time I'm going to let the walls collapse, then I want to keep them motivated. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them a little sign 
every time they go around for one lane, one lap. I'm going to give them just a, just a little bit of something, just a little sign that you're doing good. You walk a day and, and one-seventh of the wall crumbles after that day. You know, incremental progress. Somebody say incremental progress, if you want to call it that. But little by little, I would show you, just like Tetris. How many video gamers remember Tetris? I'm not a video gamer anymore, but that was one that I used to play. Um, Tetris, but that's old school. These kids don't have a clue what that is. But when you would complete the line, the line would disappear in Tetris. And that's how I would want the walls to disappear if I was orchestrating this miracle because, because I need something to motivate me. I want you to follow me this morning. I need something to happen to help motivate me to stay in motion. That's me. Is anybody else like me? I don't mind working hard, I don't mind sacrificing, I don't mind putting up with stuff, but I need to know that my pain has a purpose. Come on, somebody. I need to know that there's a point to this, whatever we're going through. But the Bible doesn't say they walked around the first day and a little bit of the wall fell down. And they walked around the second day. Because they would have been so enthusiastic and they would have been so motivated. Look, we're getting something done today, but instead, if you were one of those fighting men... You'd come home to your wife after the first night. Now, I know they probably had camp set up and they didn't get to come home, but just go with me. You'd come home. It ruined this illustration if that was the case. But you'd come home and your wife goes, how'd it go? Are we going in? What's it like in there? Is it amazing? Who'd you kill today? And it's like, well, sometimes Angie does ask me that. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's like... Well, actually, honey, we didn't fight today. Now, imagine if you're supposed to be this big, strong warrior. You're marching around the city. Uh, honey, we didn't really fight today. It was kind of more like spring training, you know, preseason. We went for a walk. But tomorrow, I'll bet you, I'll bet you tomorrow's a warm-up lap. I think Joshua wants us to get acclimated to the conditions. You know, our muscles stretched out. Just, just get a vision for what's going to happen. So you come home on day two because it said they did it for six days, and you're like, that's not long. Well, it's long when you've been waiting in the wilderness for 45 years and now you're staring straight at it, but you still can't go in. Six days is a long time. So you go out on the second day and you come home and your wife's like, well, how was your day today? He says, well, you know, babe, Joshua, somebody needs to talk to him, but he won't let us talk. He told us we all had to keep our mouths shut. He told us we couldn't say anything. All we did was just took a walk in silence. We just marched in silence. Which, by the way, why did Joshua tell them not to talk while they were marching? I think it's because he knew that 40 years earlier it was what the spies had said about their situation that kept them from receiving God's promise. I could preach a whole message right there. And he knows that when it comes to receiving God's promise, a lot of times your mouth is your own worst enemy. Your thoughts are often your own worst enemy. Sometimes you've got to talk to people, yes. Sometimes you've got to get advice. Sometimes you may need to express. Somebody needs to hear me this morning. Sometimes you may need to express how you feel. But sometimes the best strategy in your battle is to shut up and march. Say hello, somebody. To shut up and march. Three days, four days, five days, six days. And there was still no action. Oh, by the way. I've been holding this back. I haven't even dropped the bomb on you yet to tell you that this part is kind of what blew my mind. In all of the years of hearing this story in my life, I never realized what I realized this week. 
You know how God told Joshua after six days on the seventh day, then the walls are going to fall? You remember how the scripture said that? Well, guess what Joshua did not tell the people? Read it. It's not in there. Joshua didn't say a single word about how long they were going to be doing this. Joshua just gets the people. He says, advance, march, keep your mouth shut, and I'll tell you when we get there. He doesn't tell them how long. He doesn't tell them how many laps. So it's not like they can say, only five more days of this, only four more days of this. You see, for all I know, we're going to take a walk every single morning. For all I know, Joshua has lost his natural, ever-loving mind. Come on, somebody. For all I know, this man thinks we're in a marching band. I didn't sign up to be a marching band. What's up with the trumpets? I don't want to do this. I want to know something is going to happen. Can I tell you this morning that you don't always need to know when God is going to deliver. What you need to know is that God is going to deliver. And if you'll determine in your heart that I'm just going to shut up and march, I'll tell you this morning, God will fight the battle. Hallelujah. And this is the third reason, I believe, this morning that we stop short. Because the process is open-ended. I hate open-ended things. The process is open-ended. I like to know how much time is left on the clock. How many knows what I'm talking about? Sometimes um, at the gym, I can be tired, but if I only have a few sets left, or if I only have one or two minutes, uh, one or two, excuse me, one-minute planks left, I don't plank for two minutes, one minute's enough, or only five minutes on the treadmill, or when I'm down to the last five minutes in the sauna, I can keep pressing, I can keep pushing, and I can endure because I know I'm going to make it through. But can you imagine if somebody else is holding the clock and you don't have any idea how long you've got left? Listen, sometimes in this life I need to know, or I feel like I need to know, how much more of this foolishness, how much more of this craziness, how much more of this torture, wouldn't it be nice if God just put a clock on your dreams or your prayers? Just to let you know, I know you're tired. I know it's getting tough. I know everybody else seems to be living the dream. But if you can just keep praying, and if you can just keep pressing for X amount of time, eight more days, 21 more days, I'm going to bring your dream to pass. See, I can do it if I know what I've got to do. But I've got three things working against me. Number one, I've got walls. Number two, well, first of all, with number one, I can't even see what I'm pursuing and what I'm fighting for and what it's going to be like because I've got walls. Number two, I've got problems. Anybody be transparent and say, i got problems? Number three, I don't see any progress. I'm marching, but nothing's happening. Which, by the way, I have a theory that the reason the walls didn't fall down a little bit at a time is because God didn't want Joshua and the men to trust in their effort or their progress, but he wanted them to have faith in his promise. Say amen, somebody. 
So sometimes God will let you walk around a situation where what you're doing doesn't seem to be working because He wants you to know that you can trust Him. What they sang this morning, that even when you can't see it, He's working. Even when you can't feel it, He's working. God wants you to trust Him that He never stops working on your behalf. Even when what you're doing doesn't seem to be working. So will you still pray when the answer hasn't came for six days? Will you still serve me when nobody appreciates you? Boy, that's a, that's a sermon in itself. Will you still show up when you don't even feel like it's making a difference? Will you still give even when you're not seeing the provision flow back to you? Will you still? The question that, he wanted to, that God wants to know is will you still? Will you march just because I told you? Not because you saw the benefits of it. Not because you saw the progress. See... I have a philosophy that, and this is funny and you can laugh, but it's a true philosophy because I do pretty good at being faithful to the gym. What I do pretty bad at is, is being faithful to eating clean and healthy because I'm fat and I like food. And so I, I try sometimes and I fall off the bandwagon. But I have a philosophy that we would all work out and we would all eat well if we could see the results of eating well and working out as we're working out and eating well. How many knows what I'm talking about? Wouldn't it just be amazing? I mean, like, think about it. Eat broccoli, see an ab. I mean, I'd be popping broccoli right and left. How many knows what I'm talking about? You know, taking cauliflower, you'll burn some fat. Some of you'd be grinding it up and snorting it if you thought that was true. But that's why so many people don't stay on the diet. Stay with me. Or they quit exercising because they don't see immediate results. They don't see instant results. But I'm saying that God wants you to know I'm working when what you're doing doesn't seem to be working. You may not be able to see it, but it's working. And that's just like going to the gym. You're not going to come out of there the first time you work out looking like you're a, you're a model. Hello. And, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I've been going for like six years now. Somebody says, well, brother, you need to give it up. No, because little by little, I can see. I feel better. But just because you can't see it instantly doesn't mean it's not working. Just because you can't see God working on your behalf doesn't mean that he isn't. But this is the essence of faith because it was walking around the walls of Jericho that would prepare them to fight the giants once they got in the promised land. Do you hear me? It was in what God had to do on the inside. You see, we're so convinced that God want, what God wants to do for us is the most important thing. But I'm wondering if sometimes God doesn't send us walking around the walls because what God wants to do in us must come before what He wants to do for us. Somebody say amen so my message today is some of us are on lap number six you don't even know it yet see in NASCAR and I don't watch NASCAR but I've researched it a little bit they have a counter on the screen and it says laps left how many knows what I'm talking about it lets the drivers know how they need to pace themselves but life doesn't tell you sometimes how many laps you have left and I wonder how many people give up on their ministry? How many people give up on their kids? How many people give up on their marriage? 
How many people give up on a situation? And how many people have given up on God when they were on lap six and they didn't even know it? You're on lap six. I came to tell you this morning, don't give up now. I feel the Lord when I say that. That's the message this morning. God sent me here to preach this to you. Don't give up now. You are closer, hear me this morning, you are closer than you think you are. Don't give up now. You might be tired, it might not make sense, you might look ridiculous, you might be tired of blowing the trumpet, you might be tired of singing on the praise team, you might be tired of greeting, you might be tired of teaching Sunday school, you might be tired of paying your tithes, you might be tired of coming to church, you might be tired of dealing with that situation, but God said to tell you, you don't give up now don't give up now you're right on the brink of breaking through Woo! hallelujah don't give up now it's hold up if they come to the music this morning don't give up now i believe if you'll stand with me all over this house today i just want to ask you just close your eyes and just lift your hands and somebody just needs to begin to pray right now god said don't give up now even when you can't see it i'm working even when you can't feel it i'm working come on just cry out to him this morning say god i'm not going to give up i'm not going to give up now even though i can't see over the wall even though i can't see what's coming at me next god i'm not going to give up now Hallelujah. There's somebody here this morning, you can look at me, who didn't come to church today by accident. You were on the verge of quitting something that God has promised to you. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Do not believe the lies that the enemy is speaking to you. Do not think that you are here this morning by chance, but because I have ordained for you to be here. For I would say to you today, stop looking at the walls in front of you and start looking unto the hills from where your help cometh from. Your help comes from me. I am fighting your battle for you. You shall not need to have to fight this battle. If you will but look beyond the walls and up to me, you shall be able to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. For the God that you serve is fighting for you. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name and you are mine. Do not believe the lies of the enemy for victory is yours if you will but trust in me, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift your hands all over this room and give him some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for speaking to us this morning. Thank you for your word today, God. Thank you for your spirit in this house.